Welcome to the Set Yourself Free podcast, real stories from ending emotional abuse and trauma and taking back your life. I'm your host, Carrie Veach, owner of Set Yourself Free. I'm a life and success coach that believes we all have limitless potential within ourselves if we have the right tools and support. Trauma or past hurt might be a part of your story, but it doesn't have to be the whole story. We all have different versions of what freedom means, and I'm here to help you uncover your perfect version of how to set yourself free. Join us for season one, where we follow five extremely brave women through their journey of setting themselves free. Through their stories, you will know that you are not alone that it does get better on the other side and learn practical ways that you too can set yourself free. Let's dive in. So what did you have to give up and how did you handle it? Renee? Man, um, I had to give up whatever, a couple of things. I had to give up my coping mechanisms. Um, There was no escapism. There was no... I mean, there was, but it just, I couldn't, I couldn't just escape and, you know, watch Netflix for a little while or, mm-hmm. you know, do just do anything that would kind of, um, turn my brain off. Nothing was working. This was just following me wherever. So coping mechanisms were just not helpful. So I had to give those up. And then I had to give up the, the picture of what I thought the next couple of years were going to look like. Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> I was on this trajectory. I was doing well in school and, um, you know, I was applying for things for like prestigious internships and opportunities with school. Um, I had to, and that just, (laughs) that just kind of went out the window. I just could not function. So I had to readjust what I thought the next um, few years were going to look like for me. And then I also gave up a relationship. Um, I was seeing someone at the time and, you know, it was in that fun getting to know you phase, the, you know, the fun phase. (laughs) This was not fun. (laughs) So so that completely changed the nature of our relationship. And um, it just, it didn't work out. It couldn't, like, I wasn't the same person anymore. It just was not going to work out. So I lost friends. I lost my coping mechanisms. I lost mm. what I thought was going to be uh, an amazing legal um, career in school and lost my relationship. So you gave up a lot <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. But what I love and even how you explain what you gave up, you... I don't know if found yourself is the right word because I don't think I don't I don't think we're ever completely lost, but I think that's a, a lot of the language that we often use, right? Like I lost myself or I felt like I lost myself. Um yeah. but but hearing you talk, it it's like you were very aware of how much you needed to be connected to yourself and to prioritize that. Does that feel true? It I mean now I can yeah. say that. <laughs> At the time, I was just like, <laughs> so I, I can't even get up. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Like you, you realize you have to prioritize yourself. And I think, in a way, not found myself, but I reconnected to myself in a way that I hadn't since I was a kid. 
Like mm. there was just so many years of um, crap <laughs> that kind of built up. So um, stripping away all of that um, helped me to come back to my core and just listen to my soul and connect with my soul. And yeah, it helped me to come back to me um, for the first time in, in my adult life. So mm-hmm. that was that was a pretty cool gift. Yeah. And I love that. Reconnect. That's a great word and a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. D. Um, I had to give up life as I knew it, really. Um, it was interesting because we had waited 10 years to get to his top pay salary. And it was like, we were finally going to be able to live how we wanted to live and not worry about money and, and all that stuff. And it was in February, the beginning of February, he got his first paycheck at the top salary and everything went south at the end of that February. Mm. So it was like, we had just gotten to where we had been waiting for, where everything was going to change. And then everything did change, just not in the way that we thought. So I had to give up our future of what that was going to look like. And um, I had to give up the life as I knew it. And then within a few months from there, I had to give up my home. Mm. I had to give up my dog um, in order to move into an apartment in the same school district. So my kids could have a little bit of stability. Um, So yeah, I, I had to give up a lot. So, and I handled it just by knowing that, by giving those things up, I was decreasing my stress level. Mm. And in doing that, I had time to heal and I had time to just be with my kids. So um, I just kept focusing on how it would be positive on giving that those things up, even though it was really, really hard. Yeah. So it sounds like... In a- I mean, perspective afterwards is always very different than when you're in it, of course. Um, But in you telling it, it doesn't feel like you were really staying in the victim story of this happened to me or this situation. Can you talk to us a little bit if you struggled there or kind of what that looked like of, you know, realizing all the things you had to give up as a result? Um. I would say it wasn't victim. I mean, so I feel like there's always like two parts, right? So I've always been the driven type of person to just go after what I wanted. Mm -hmm. So in doing that, it was like survival mode. So I had to give up those things to survive for myself, right? But at the same time, it's the emotional stuff inside where I was victim, I was definitely a victim for a while until I started to heal and do the energy healing work and stuff like that, um, where I started to change the mindset about that I can see how this happened for me. And again, it's always hindsight where it's like, now I know everything that happened for a reason and why I'm here and how I'm helping everyone. And it's a wonderful thing. But at the moment, you don't know that. And it's like, you're just trying to survive and do the next thing to just keep living to keep going forward and not like break down every second of every day. So, so there, I feel like there's always two sides. So it's like the survival mode of, okay, income and, you know, like living. And then there's the emotion side where I was destroyed. Yeah. Uh, 
So something in you just had the strength to keep going day after day, even when it was horrible. Yeah, it's probably my kids because mm-hmm. oh, you're gonna make me cry um, <laughs> every time when it comes to my kids. Um, because I knew they were struggling. Mm-hmm. And as a mom, like we just talked about, you put them first. So their struggle was more important than mine. So I needed, there there was just one day that I had that epiphany that I had like, cause I went through a few months of like roller coaster up and down, drunk in the bars, like, you know, like the, the grieving and trying to get yourself together type of thing, trying to find, the other thing I had a hard time with was trying to find the balance between being a single woman in this devastating place and then being the mom too, because now it's like, okay, I don't have a man anymore. So, uh, you know, everyone tells me I need one of those. So I was going after that and I had to be a mom too. So that was a little bit of a struggle for me in the beginning, which is why, you know, and then him having my kids. So then I would be by myself and then I would want to go out. Like it was definitely the emotional roller coaster. Don't get me wrong. So I don't want anyone to think that I was just the go get it and fix everything. I definitely had my hard times for about three or four months, maybe even five or six. And um, then I, I had the epiphany where I had to get my stuff together because I needed to be okay in order for my kids to be okay. Mm-hmm. So once I thought of it like that, I was like, I need to do whatever I can to to get better. And I knew that it wasn't just from this. It was like healing my whole life because my yeah. life is what got me to this point. So I needed to go back even further than my ex. Sure. Raw. Hmm. Um, do you mean as in like during the experience and like giving up or do you mean as in like during the healing kind of process? I think it can be either. Like as you look at it now, what did you feel like you had to give, give up potentially to get to the other side? Hmm. Um, kind of what comes to me instinctively is I gave up or I ended up putting myself first as opposed to everyone else. And so what that meant was I said no to a lot of people around a lot of things because I really needed to heal me. And so it meant spending a lot more time alone and a lot more time looking inwards. And so I gave up. I would say like a lot of friendships and relationships at that time to get to where I am now. Mm. Um, And it wasn't necessarily difficult because that's what I needed to do, but I think it was more difficult for everyone else because Mm. naturally your friends and your family want to help you. Sure. Um, But... It's what it wasn't what was best for me. Did you so it sounds like it it was easy kind of to do that, but did you have any guilt or shame associated with that? Um, not trying to put words in your mouth at all, just from yeah. you know, talking to lots of women, I think it's a normal struggle to feel like we can't do that or it's wrong to do that, even though mm. it's not. <laughs> yeah. I think 
yes and no. Like overall, no, because I knew that that's was what I that's what was what I needed, and that was what was best for me. Mm-hmm. And whenever I did say no, it was always kind of coming from like a place of love. It was like you know, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate the invite. But right now, what I need is some time to myself, and so. It was also about me still acknowledging that, you know, like they're important to me, Mm. but I need to put me first because I hadn't been doing that for, I don't know, three, probably even, I don't know, 10 years. Like I'd put everyone else before me Mm. and I knew that if I continued to do that, I wasn't going to get better. I love that because just even in you saying that and how you say that, you can tell how gracious you were in telling people that in a way that was coming from love, in a way that was respecting yourself and still doing the best you could to honor the other people in your life. Yeah. And like there were times where like I would go and do something, you know, and it wasn't often where I'm like, I don't really feel like doing it. But then I also wanted to like ensure I wasn't completely isolating myself. And so Mm -hmm. there'd be events where I kind of might not have felt like it. Then I did end up going and I enjoyed myself. But majority of the time, I really truly listened to like my heart Mm -hmm. as to like what my heart really needed as opposed to my head. Mm -hmm. Um, Because... I knew that I needed that solitude and that time to reflect and go inward and really kind of look at like what had happened, like how can I change the things in me that need to be changed so that I don't attract this into my life again. Mm. That's such a powerful message. You know, it's, it's taking ownership for yourself um, and being really reflective and responsible for you, which is so wonderful to hear and to see. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I knew that the only person that I can control is myself. It's like how I think, how I act and how I behave. And I, you know, went through, a t- like I just, I, re- I went back and I really went back and I looked at my entire my entire life in terms of all my relationships and, and the themes within them. And I, I was like, okay, well, what's the common factor here? The common factor is me. Mm. And so what is it that I'm doing to attract these toxic relationships in my life and how can I change it? And what I truly like what I realized in that was that I didn't have any self-worth and I didn't love myself fully and I didn't believe that I was worthy of love. And so therefore that's how I attracted these people into my life. Mm. And so I was like, well, I can take responsibility for that. Yep. And that's all we can do, right? I mean, as you said, it's so true. And yet, so often, you know, people want to blame other people, want to look outward, and it really always starts inward. Yeah, it does, definitely, definitely. And I think the thing was like, I thought I'd loved myself, but when I really reflected on it, I was like, well, actually, I don't, because 
am getting myself into these relationships where I become so attached and I become so codependent and I allow for them to treat me a certain way because I don't believe that I'm worthy of being treated well. And so, you know, I really needed to learn how to give that to myself and be that to my, be that for myself first and foremost and look for love within one well, way, like, you know, like acknowledge the love that's inside of me instead of externally in another person. Mm. So beautiful. Nor. I think there were a lot of things that I had to give up. I had to give up the stories I made up about myself. Mm. Like um, there were stories that I was not worthy. I was like people would only want me if I offered them things, you know, Um, like in order to have a friendship, I had to like pour more than 150% into it and just get them things and do all these things in order to have a friendship because these feelings of abandonment and being rejected were so strong in me, you know? So that was something I had to learn how to give up, which was a healthy thing, you know, because like you, you don't want to, like live a life on eggshells thinking like, what did I do wrong when you can't be your authentic self, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was something I had to give up. I also had to like work really hard on the cultural stigma Mm -hmm. of being in therapy and being a therapist myself, you know? Um, So that was really hard because when I sat my family down and told them like, Hey, guess what? I'm not doing pre-med, I'm doing psychology. They were just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) They were like, why would you do that? (laughs) You know? And I like, they were really, it was really hard for them to accept it, especially for my mom. Um, But, you know, eventually they got over it because I kept that career path. I wasn't changing it because I really liked it. So like having to fight that stigma along the way you know, family ended up being supportive in, in the long run. Um, but just culturally, like people like you, you're not a doctor, you're not an engineer, you're not an IT, like those type of fields, you know? And so there was some judgment on that aspect. Um, but so that was another thing that I had to fight, um, that image of, um, really had to give up the image of like body dysmorphia and that condition, you know, um, that was really hard because I just really thought that if I could be a certain way, then everything would be perfect. I would be more loved. I would have unconditional love, not condition love. I would, um, be more like more likable, you know, um, things would come easy to me if I was really pretty and I fit into this like, you know, size zero and like I was normal. I wasn't overweight or anything, but like I just, this image, like I felt disgusted at myself, you know, um, and I would want to like, I don't know, like scrub this feeling off of me, like try to lose all this extra weight by unhealthy coping skills. And like that took a lot of work to be like you your your body isn't like it's a temple, 
Mm. You know, to to recognize that your body is a temple and to take care of it is really important. And it's not based on like what people think or how they're going to treat you. Because, you know, if I was, I always said, if I could make myself more prettier and if I could be more skinnier, then I could get the attention that I need, you know, because I was lacking attention as a child because my mom was constantly working and like, my, you know, my dad wasn't around to teach me stuff. And we were like, as siblings, we were all like so busy with our own stuff of grappling with things that like, we didn't always communicate with each other, you know? Yeah. And so like, this was one way of controlling my environment for me in the chaos. And so, yeah, it was really heavy duty. And I really had to work on giving that part of it's still there but it's not as like present in my everyday thinking as it used to be like I have a healthier relationship with food now you know I Mm. if I exercise I look at it as a way of a lifestyle you know um so there's yeah, it's it's much more healthier than it used to be and I'm really grateful that I've been able to like you know let go of those cognitive distortions that I've had. Well, and it sounds like you have had such a healthier view of yourself. Yeah. That then you can rewrite your narratives and your coping skills have caught up to where you are, that you have more tools in your toolkit. Yeah. Right. That you're not trying to fix yourself. You know, there's nothing broken in you. Yeah. And I think that's so important because like, you know, when a parent leaves or, and they physically abuse you, but then they still love you, like any of that kind of stuff, like you feel like you are broken. I am broken. And that's where the shame weaves into, you know? And so like for a long time, I just thought there was a piece of me that was missing. Mm. And like to figure out what that piece was, I really had to go on a lot of like self journey and reflection and really emotional maturity, you know, had like now it's finally caught up. Um, and I'm really happy about it and I I can self-regulate, I can do all those things. But like when I was younger, I didn't know how to do those things and no one taught me how to do it, you know? So like it was, I don't know, it, it was difficult, but I'm kind of glad that I was on that journey looking back at it now because it's definitely taught me a lot more lessons than I might have not had, you know, about myself and my own ability and my own confidence. Like there's things that I've done that now I I look back and I was like, wow, I did them. I'm capable of doing that. Like that's pretty awesome, you know? And so like, I think that's, yeah, it's amazing to me that I can do things now and be like, oh shit, that's awesome. You yes. go, girl. <laughs> you <Yes>. know? <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, it's been a quite a journey to like go of these things and like finally be me and what whatever that me means in whatever time and space. And it doesn't have to be linear and it doesn't have to be fixed yep. the way I thought it would be. Like you have to be this thing and check off all these boxes. You could be whatever you want to be in whatever like time space you are in and you are allowed that flexibility. You don't have to be stuck with like 
the old narratives that you had when you were younger and you grow as a person. So you change and it's okay to go back to that younger self and say like, it's okay. Like that's all you knew, you know, and that's the tools that you were given then. And that's okay. Yes. I, oh my gosh, that makes me so excited because I think (laughs) That is the best work, right? To be able yeah. to say permission granted. Yes. You know, yeah. to to let go of whatever those narratives are. Because I, I think that was so beautifully said, how what you said you had to give up was your old narratives. Like that yeah. is powerful. Yeah. <laughs> it is because that's the work that a lot of people don't want to do is the internal work. Yeah, it's it's difficult work because you have to face like so many truths and like unpile them and untangle them from your emotional, intellectual, physical, mental, like all those domains. You have to untangle them and be able to be an outside observer and say, okay, these are the facts without getting too emotional and then using your wise mind and saying like okay this was the emotional part this was the rational part let me make it come together and recognize what it is that I'm doing now and not making sure that the old stories are caught up with the new narratives that you're trying to create and I love you said it so perfectly permission yes Mm -hmm. like you have to give yourself permission and it's okay if you fall off the bandwagon, you know, like there were many times in the beginning of my journey that I was just like, I screwed up. It doesn't count. I have to start all over, (laughs) you know? And I was like, but you don't, all that stuff does count. You just fell off and that's okay. You know, just get back up. You just get back up. And I always say it's how you choose to get back up. That's going to count. Yes. Yeah. So beautiful. Nikki. So I gave up a lot. The most important thing that I gave up and the most mentionable thing by far, because the rest of it is small potatoes compared to this, was Mm. half of my time with my children. Mm. Initially, I I was going for primary custody of our two kids And it ended up being a 50-50 custody situation, which I'm glad to report has worked out well. And that was really what I had to give up, was being with my children every day. And at that time, again, my children were under a year and about three. Mm. So to give up that kind of time with my little kids who I was so attached to and were so attached to me. That's what prevented me from pursuing divorce sooner than I did. That's one of the things that prevented me from pursuing divorce sooner than I did. It was a good year or more before I could even allow my brain and my heart to go in that direction. Mm. And the way that I handled this was, I would say, primarily through faith, And primarily through belief in the long game, belief that I was taking the long game approach and I was doing what I knew instinctively for me and for my children who are in a sense, part of me, Mm -hmm. what I knew was best for them and best for me. And any parent can tell you 
that they will make incredible sacrifices for their children. Like a parent who has no money will go out and spend $1,000 on, let's say they know that their daughter wants to play hockey and they will find a way to buy hockey equipment for their child. Or if there's a parent who knows that there's a certain type of really, again, this is a financial example, but a really type of expensive medicine that their child needs in order to be healthy or to function at their best. They're going to do whatever they need to do, make whatever sacrifices they need to make for the benefit of their children. And for me and any parent who gives up time with their children, it is an insane sacrifice that you will only make if you truly believe that it will be better for them in the long run. And I completely with every ounce in my being believe that I made the right decision for me and the right decision for my children. Another thing that I gave up was I gave up a partner. I gave up a husband. I gave up a person who I no longer had someone to help out with my kids day to day. I no longer had someone to fulfill the domestic kind of household management type of roles that he filled. And also having the presence of a partner, somebody to talk to, somebody to run things by. I also gave up financial comfort because at the time my husband was the solid breadwinner. I did bring in an income, but I was spending more and more of my time on child raising tasks mm-hmm. and I didn't have to think much about money. We were, in a, we were in a really comfortable place. We weren't wealthy, but we were in a really comfortable place. So I gave that up. I also gave up my home because there was no way my husband was going to move out. I was the one who really had to move out. And so I gave up my home and I also gave up anything really of material value inside my home. When I left, I left a household full of some pretty valuable stuff, Um, valuable stuff that we received as wedding gifts, crystal, some really valuable Moroccan carpets. I mean, just, just valuable stuff. But again, in the scheme of things, I really, I really, I barely cared because that's not what mattered most. Um, the other, the other thing that I gave up that is of a lot of value is ultimately, and I didn't know how this was going to shake out, but ultimately I did miss out on some friendships. Mm. I did, I did lose some friends as a result of taking that step and leaving and ending my marriage. Mm. But I like in describing all of that and how you started of the long game. And I think that is so critical for people to hear because in you telling that, how I receive that and hear that is you didn't doubt yourself. You trusted yourself. You knew this is what is best for me. This is ultimately what is best for my kids. And I think that speaks volumes, especially to your children, because as you're going through that, you're not wavering, you're not creating this situation of self-doubt and, you know, going back and forth. You just were solid in your self-trust. And I think that is so beautiful for people to hear because it's not you saying, I didn't have to give up all this stuff. Like you just listed a lot of things and a lot of reasons that you could have gone back and forth and said, oh, should I really do this? Is this really the best thing? Should I? You know, and I think that's where a lot of people get caught and get stuck, but you found the strength and were determined to say, no, 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 this is what I trust in my gut is best. 
So I just, I love hearing that. Well, I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. What I would say in response to that is that I didn't waver on the core decision. I did not waver on whether or not to leave, but I did doubt myself. Mm. I doubted myself at various periods all along the way, but I managed to find a way through therapy, through journaling, through instinct, through intuition, through help from, I became a member of a Unitarian Universalist church and my minister and congregation were also helpful with that. So I absolutely had multiple moments of self-doubt and multiple moments of anxiety and am I really doing the right thing? Mm. But I did not show that doubt and I did not waver in terms of am I going to end this marriage or not? Which I think is beautiful because that's also you being human, right? Yeah, it was... (laughs) I have to say, I do have to say that, so I filed for divorce and I moved out and my husband and I were separated for six months. And during that time, he was in individual therapy and, and he kept asking me if I would go into couples therapy. Eventually I agreed, not because I wanted to reconcile and not because I wanted to stay married, but because I wanted to create some communication and work a little bit on our trust and our extremely at the time hostile relationship. So we did go into, into therapy together. And as a result of that, I decided that I would attempt reconciliation and I gave it another try because he was showing signs of making changes and because we did have two children together. And so I did end the divorce case, I moved back into our marital home and I recommitted to our marriage. But unfortunately, within maybe four or so months, four or five months, I was really 100% certain the first time around. And by the time four or five months had passed, I was about 18,000 million percent certain. (laughs) So I did give it another try. And you certainly, one could interpret that as me wavering. But what it was, was me giving it another try. And, yeah. and so I, be, I went from being sure to being absolutely a thousand trillion, million percent sure. Mm. Well, and in that, I think it's so, it's so beautiful to recognize that we're human along the way and there's going to be bumps and there's going to be ups and downs. And I think you know, the lessons that we continue to hopefully learn are that how we speak to ourselves, how we treat ourselves in those moments of wavering or doubt or anything is what's most important, right? Like, are we going to beat ourselves up in those moments or are we going to have grace for ourselves when we made the, maybe the quote unquote wrong decision that we think, you know, like trusting ourselves, I think looks like forgiving ourselves faster. I agree with you completely. That's such an important insight. Mm. So thanks for sharing all that. You bet. Oh, this episode, I feel like I say this each week, but truly it is one of the greatest honors of my life to get to 
hear people's stories in this capacity and on this podcast to be a facilitator of these conversations, these really, really important conversations that I hope more of us are having. And that if you're not having in your life, I encourage you to look at why and to ask yourself deeper questions and to find the people in the spaces and the places where you can have these in a safe context. Because this to me is what life is all about, about learning how to set yourself free of doing the inner work so that you can be who you are meant to be on this planet. I truly can't think of something greater. And this episode of each of these women talking about their path to freedom and what it really takes to get there and being honest with themselves and in sharing their stories gives me so much hope and courage and strength for myself and for anyone else that's listening because I know that we relate to vulnerability and authenticity and the human experience. And so I'm deeply grateful for these women opening up and sharing in such a real way and such an authentic way of being and living and now going out and doing their work in the world to help people to uncover their version of freedom. It's what I'm all about. It's absolutely what I'm all about. And I desire so deeply for every person listening to have this level of freedom. I was reflecting today on the path and the journey to freedom in my own life. And I just get so fired up to help people get there. And it's not a place of arrival, uh, that's for sure. But in many ways, I do feel like I arrived. I can I can pinpoint the times and the moments where I felt like I had arrived. And there's always new levels and new opportunities for growth. Absolutely. But I feel like the point at which I knew I had reached freedom and real freedom for me, for my soul and my life work is when I was able to show up and not care what other people think. And when I've been able to feel it deep in my soul and my intuition telling me to start a podcast like this and to believe that this work is valuable and to know that everything I've been through has led me to this point. And all I ever wanted since I was small was to be free. Like I just wanted to be seen and heard and understood and free. Like I didn't want anything else. And I'm so proud of the younger me. I'm so proud of the current me for fighting for that, for doing the work, for continuing to do my work so that I can do this work in the world and I can help other women get to this level of freedom that brings the biggest smile to my face. Seriously, because when you're free and you feel this, you can't help but want to share it with other people. You can't help but want to have everyone you know live on this side and to just 
know that it's possible. So that's my hope with this podcast that you you get to hear my story, of course, and then you get to hear other women's stories and how they too will speak to the level of freedom that they live in. And that if it's possible for someone else, it is absolutely possible for you. So healing is never, never linear. The journey is never the same for any of us, but I really know with everything in me that with the right support, with the right tools, you can set yourself free. You really, really can. So if you want help, if you want support, not in a way that you're not good enough, that you can't do it on your own, but that you shouldn't have to, and that epic levels of support just create the difference. Like I know I would not be who I am without the support in my life. There's just no way. And like none of us can do it by ourselves. And once I truly was able to make that switch in myself as well from feeling like there was something broken in me and that's why I needed help um, to understanding that there is nothing broken in me, absolutely nothing. And I get to have epic levels of support in my life because it allows me to serve and show up in a larger capacity. So that has been such a difference maker. So I hope you hear that. I hope you understand that you are absolutely not broken. There is nothing wrong with you. You are whole and complete and loved just as you are. But support can make all the difference in the world. So if you want to jump on the phone, I offer 30-minute calls to see if working together is a good fit or not. And I would love to talk about the number one thing you can shift this week to step into the most confident you. So head on over to my website, setyourselffreellc.com. Check that out. I would love, love, love to talk about supporting you in this journey to setting yourself free. So thanks so much for being here and we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Set Yourself Free podcast. I'm so grateful you are here supporting me and these incredibly brave guests. If you could do me a favor and take one minute to share this episode with someone that needs to hear it, I would be so grateful. And if you are willing, please leave us a review. Each month, I will be choosing a reviewer to give a free session to as a thank you for listening to this podcast. One thing I know for certain is that shame can only grow in secret. I'm more encouraged than you could possibly know by those that are willing to speak up and help all of us know that we are not alone. So don't forget, head on over to my website at setyourselffreellc.com. Grab your free journal and you can also book a free call with me to see if we are a great fit in supporting your journey to setting yourself free. Thanks again and we will see you next week.